That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Magic Valley PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, where we are breaking down District 4 athletics and activities week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. The Magic Valley PrepCast is presented by No Vape Idaho. Be smart. Don't start. Uh, we are coming to you live on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. If you're hanging out live with us today, thanks. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can uh, throw something up in the comments and we'll throw it up on the screen. Otherwise, you can watch the replay of this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. And you can also listen to this podcast at IdahoSports.com along with wherever you subscribe and download to podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. My name is Brandon Bainey and we are joined today by Brittany Spear. I mean, Scott Burton, our Magic Valley expert. What's up, Scott? Oh, what's going on, Brandon? I was sitting here trying to think of uh, my alter ego uh, this week. And um, I, I'm just, right before I came on, I'm just looking around and and uh, I look over at last. She goes, oops, I did it again. That's the one. And it's because of the Scott's Thoughts topics today. So there's your tie right there. Okay. Scott always tries to tie in when, you know, if you're watching this on the video, you'll see it. But if you're listening, uh, we have these little name tags that display our names, right? And the way you can get in contact with us, Brandon at IdahoSports.com, Scott at IdahoSports.com. Um, and then Scott always likes to put a little moniker uh, on his name. So Scott Burton today is, oops, I did it again. You know, a couple of years ago, there was hashtag free Britney. Are we going to have to hashtag free, free Scotty? Oh my word. Oh my gosh. Are we, are we talking about that one viral clip of that weirdo that was crying yes. and doing all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I, that was so painful to watch. I could only watch it like 11 times and then I had to stop. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Oh my word. Talk about blowing up the internet. Uh, uh yeah. Well, speaking of things that have been blowing up the internet, Scott, our district uh, bracket action has been blowing up at IdahoSports.com. That's not my best transition. That's all <laughs> no, right. It's funny because we, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's, it's cool that we have our, our little methods here, our little styles, because it's always the same. You know, come on, let's get the moniker down. Let's see what alter ego I've got. And let's see how you transition into some ridiculous stuff I say into something that actually means something so I, I look forward to that every week yeah some days it's an a plus and sometimes it's a c you know but we always manage to pass our way through so uh <laughs> girls girls district tournament action has started scott of course we're updating the scores and the brackets every night at idahosports.com a score or two may escape us and we'll get it early in the morning but those brackets are are pretty close to being accurate, you know, by the end of the night each night. So you should be checking that every night at IdahoSports.com to see the latest matchups and district tournament results. In addition to that, Scott, uh, every day, right around mid-morning, you know, right around 12 o'clock maybe, uh, I come out with a, an updated bracketology post where I kind of cover the big stories from the previous night statewide and district tournament action. And then I outline who's clinched bids to state, and then I kind of give my projections of how I think the state tournament fields will pan out. Scott, we had our first two teams clinch state tournament bids last night from East Idaho, 1AD2, the Mackie Miners and the Ledor Mustangs. Congratulations. Yeah, and how about that? You know, And we are off and running as the field is starting to be set. Lots of big games tonight around the state. Uh, and by the weekend, we should have a pretty good idea of a lot 
of those teams in the tournament. Yeah, it's going to be really fun to see this action start to heat up. So what we do here on the prep cast is we go through all the girls district brackets and tell you, here's where we're at and here's where things are headed. And uh, if you're watching this on the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, Facebook page, or Twitter account, I'm going to share my screen and put the brackets up on the screen so you'll be able to see them. I always tell people to make the screen full size as you're watching this because it's a little easier to see the bracket that way. But um, if you're listening on IdahoSports.com or wherever you download and listen to podcasts, it's all good. We've got the district brackets on the homepage. You can just click on them and follow along that way but without further ado scott we will start in the conference uh that you are a part of jerome high school the great basin conference class 4a district 4 here's what we've got scott i want to start right away with this is a league that's got seven teams only six get to go to districts we kind of had an interesting scenario with canyon ridge and wood river they both ended up tied for sixth and seventh so it came down to the the almighty coin flip to see who would get to move on to districts. When when was yeah. it held? I, I know Wood River won the coin flip, but but when was that actually held and decided? Um, gosh, it was a little towards the end of last week. I mean, I've got it uh, in my messages because I remember we're all in this big giant text thread, and whenever something happens, we all know about it, and we're all making jokes, and we're all having a great time, and we're all laughing, and um, you know, we were kind of joking around a little bit about who called what and tails never fails and heads, you know, all that kind of stuff. And what river comes away with the, uh, with the win and for their efforts, they get to go to twin falls to open the tournament. Who, who flips the coin? Um, generally it's just like the third party. So we would all get leaked on a zoom call perhaps, or, uh, if we happen to be in the same area, then we'll do it together. Um, but, you know, we've done it a couple of different ways and uh, just whatever's convenient at the time, you know, maybe over some chicken wings at Buffalo Wild Wings. Who knows? We've done okay. it there. <laughs> well, I was going to say Wood River isn't convenient for anybody because they're kind of tucked away up there away mm -hmm. from the rest of the conference. So I'm sure this one was done probably virtually, I'm assuming. So, yeah. yeah so, but yeah, so now Wood River gets to be in the tournament and, you know, and that's the way that we're running our, our district tournaments is, uh, you know, the seventh place team doesn't get to qualify and uh it's you know it, it's it's a numbers thing i mean six teams in a tournament trying to run is a lot easier than seven and if you're the seventh you know i mean everybody agreed that if we're in last place let's call it call it a year and we'll be good <laughs> yeah i know district three does that as well at the 4a mm -hmm. level they have they have seven teams uh in their district as well so the big stories the opening round was held wednesday night number three twin falls beats number six wood river 61 26 number four mountain home beats number five burley 49 14 no surprises there and now here we go the royal rumble is set scott we've talked about this all year long between Minico the one seed, Jerome the two seed, Twin Falls the three, Mountain Home the four. They're all capable of beating each other on any given night. It, it came down to one and two. It came down to that regular season finale between Minico and Jerome. When was that? Monday night, Scott? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was a it was a 59-46 victory for the Spartans. Yeah, that's uh was Monday night and Boy, I, I don't know if a team can shoot any worse from the free throw line than, uh, than our girls did. I think they were like two of 85 or something like that. Might have been 84, but 
it, it was putrid. And, you know, you can't leave those points, those free points out there. And they did that. But, you know, don't take any you know thing away from Minico. Minico is a solid team, and that's a tough place to play. And if you're gelling at the right time and you have C.J. Lotta that's distributing the basketball, scoring the basketball, and everybody is just in a rhythm, that is a really tough team to stop because, you know, people pay a lot of attention to C.J., but she's got a couple of weapons that really help her. And when you look at this conference, man, what a what a battle that these four teams have had with each other. Minico, Jerome, Twin, Mountain Home. I mean, you know, Minico lost to Jerome. Uh, then they beat Jerome. Uh, Twin beat Jerome, and then Jerome goes over there and beats them. And Mountain Home has got the potential to just light up the scoreboard if they're hitting their outside shots. That's a young team that's got a freshman as their best player. And I, nothing would surprise me with these four. Yeah, you mentioned Minico, and we think of C.J. Lotta immediately. I think the most underrated player in the conference is Gentry Bott. I watched her last year, and she does all that dirty work inside. She's a fantastic rebounder. She defends really well underneath, and she kind of complements what Lotta can do on the perimeter. Yeah, for sure. And uh, when you've got that inside-out player that Lotta can be, you know, scoring the basketball anywhere, but then you've got a presence that is really meant for the paint, boy, you got to pay attention to that. And what that does is it just opens up the perimeter for, you know, Lada and a couple of her other shooters. And if she can break down the defense, and this is what she does so well, is she breaks down a defense and then kicks it out to the open man, you know, or the open girl. And you've got a player that can distribute like that. It, it, it makes you tough to beat. Yep, for sure. All right, Scott, I'm going to I'm going to fill this bracket out in real time here. The the times are all to be determined, right? Until you know the matchup and how far teams uh -huh. got to travel and stuff. And then the host school sets the time. All right. So what time is this game Friday night in Jerome? Uh, it's going to be seven o'clock Friday night. Classic tip off time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then over uh, in Minico, Brady's going to be different. And uh, he's <laughs> He's going to go at like uh, 1030 in the morning. He's going to get everybody out of third hour. Uh, no, just kidding. He's going at 630. Okay. You know, I did. I was talking to Brady Trankle, the idiot Minico last year about this uh, because Minico, you know, ended up hosting the district championship and it was on a Saturday and it was kind of earlier in the day. And uh, I asked him, I said, why? I said, why did you not go up for the prime time? And he goes, here's how I view it. He goes, Saturday's a day where you should be spending time with the family. So I want people to come to the game, cheer on our girls and support, and then still have time to go do a family activity later in the day, in the mm -hmm. evening, whatever. I was like, okay, that makes sense to me. Oh, absolutely. I'm telling you, we, we I don't schedule anything on the weekends unless I absolutely have to. Um, just because those kids, those coaches, they need that time. They need that break. And plus, if we do play it on a Saturday, let's get it done early. And then that way you've got the rest of your weekend. So I, we're all on board with that. Yep. Uh, Sean Kane in the chat, our East Idaho prep caster. He says, I like the 630. I, I got to be honest. I don't know if there's a huge difference between 630 and 7. But, <laughs> you know, whatever. Well, I, but it's just being different. Just being different. 7 o'clock is like, like the marquee prime time. Right. You know, might as well have it like you know, six forty-eight, whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like a baseball, you know, first pitch is at seven Oh six, seven Oh seven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. It's like, really? Okay. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. 
Yeah. All right. Let's go to 3A District 4, the SCIC, Sawtooth Central Idaho Conference. You're going to be shocked to hear this, Scott, but Filer has found themselves in the district championship game yet again. The Wildcats are attempting to get to state for the fifth consecutive year. They beat Kimberly last night at the College of Southern Idaho in the undefeated semifinal. Very tight game, 45-41. They kind of got revenge. We talked about this last week on the show where Kimberly had beaten Filer in the regular season and snapped their 40-game winning streak against SCIC competition. But Filer wins the one that counts. They're now in the district championship. Kimberly drops into the third place game. This will be Monday night in Kimberly. They will take on the fourth seeded Gooding Senators. Gooding went to the three seed or battled the three seed Buell last night at CSI, came out with a 41 32 win. So this tournament always has an upset somewhere along the way. Unfortunately, Buell was the team that got got this year. Yeah. And Buell's the one that is generally pulling the upset, but uh, since they've gotten better, uh, they're the ones that are going to have a little bit of target on their back and Gooding, you know, boy, they came out and they played really, really well. And, uh, you know, now they get to play Kimberly and Kimberly's a team that has owned Gooding this year, beat them by 22 both times. You know, we'll see if Gooding uh, can close that gap, but that's a, that's a huge mountain to overcome. And, and when you talk about Kimberly and Filer, you talk about some battles. I mean, these, this is the third time they've played and they have been close every single time. It was a two point game the first time around. And then um, Kimberly wins that nail biter. And then here we are again, and this one could have gone either way as well. And this, you know, particular three, um, a is going to have one and a half berths to it. So, you know, that was a huge win for Filer to get to that championship game because now whoever comes back through, Kimberly, Gooding, whatever, they're going to have to beat them twice. And uh, that that's going to be a tough thing to do. It's tough to beat Filer twice in, what, 50 Five. games? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it was. Uh, but now they've got to do it in back-to-back nights. So that was a huge win for Filer. I don't, I'm not sure that happens, but Scott, my question to you is, is do we get to this if necessary game? Let's say it's Kimberly that comes through the back half of the bracket. Could they beat Filer to force the winner-take-all game seven? Yeah, there's no doubt they can. Uh, they've proven that they can. Um, the the thing about it is I don't know if Filer is going to allow that to happen. You know, sometimes the best thing for a team is to take a loss at, towards the end of the season in a situation that maybe you were not expecting or just something like Kimberly beating Filer. Sometimes that just refocuses a team and dials them in a little bit more. Because I tell you what, we saw this not too long ago in this conference where cruising through the regular season undefeated and then drop boom, boom in the district tournament and they're done just like that. So I think that loss that Filer had to Kimberly was probably the best thing for him. This is always a wild bracket for sure. Um, the the winner of the district championship, of course, moves to state. Second place will have to battle the third place team from District 3. That is a tough play-in game because whether it is McCall Donnelly, Fruitland, Parma, or Weezer, all four of those teams from District 3 are all very capable, very strong teams. And in my bracketology projections, I have Kimberly in that state play-in game against Parma. I've got Parma winning that matchup. Now, I'll say, Kimberly fans, I love to be wrong. If I am, I'll come back and wear it. But you want to you want to stay out of that play-in game because it is going to be you'll you'll earn your spot to state, no doubt. 
Oh yeah, those playing games are a crapshoot. You know, I mean, sometimes it, it, it depends on a lot of things. I mean, they're at neutral sites. You got to think about the mindset of your team. You're playing a road game. You are playing against a team that may have been upset in the district tournament that's really good. You, you just don't know. And that's why you just stay out of those. Win it outright. Get to state if you can. Avoid the play-ins. But, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> so we will see what happens. District championship will be Wednesday, February 7th. The third place game is Monday, February 5th. All right, let's go to the 2A. Hey, here we go. Declo and Wendell, old friends. Best of three series starts next Monday. Uh, it'll be in Declo. Declo did sweep Wendell in the regular season. Um, the winner of game one then gets to host game two. This happened, I can't remember if it was on the girls or boys side last year, but whoever the road team was in game one actually won and then flipped the home court to their advantage and, and ended up winning. So, uh, you know, Declo, Wendell, I think we like Declo to advance. Wendell is a young team still, I think, a year away. Yeah, I, this is a real short conversation. If Declo doesn't come out of this, then there's a serious problem. I think maybe, if, if anything, Wendell has a chance if they can take Declo to overtime. And if you look at Declo's schedule, they, they've lost, well, to Firth twice, both of them in overtime, one in double OT, uh, and they lost to Filer in overtime as well. So, I mean, they've played four overtimes this season and are 0 for 3. So, you know, if they get to overtime, I, I like Wendell. <laughs> a, a fun storyline, too, with these two programs. Um, the coaches, Cody Powers for Declo, uh, Tia Stanley in her first season coaching uh -huh. Wendell. They've crossed paths before at a, at the next level down, the 1AD1. Cody coached at Raft River uh, uh -huh. for, for a couple of years. Tia Stanley was the coach at Lighthouse right Christian. House. And so... Uh, Cody's like, hey, what are you doing here? I, I moved up to get away from you. And she's exactly. like, Man, stop following me, you creeper. What's going on? Jeez. Yeah, no, they, they are very familiar. And you know what? It makes for interesting battles down the road because if you can get equal talent, you, you know each other's styles. You played each other. But uh, but you're right. Wendell's a year or two out. They, they are kind of finding their own path, their own culture uh, with Tia. And she's going to do a great job but it's just going to take a little bit of time. Yep. All right. So that best of three series starts on Monday in Declo. All right, here we go, Scott. This is the one, the one AD one snake river conference. We have not talked about this uh, at all this year, but you ha essentially have a big three at the top. Um, first of all, play in games were held Monday. Lighthouse Christian was the 10 seed. They played a mostly JV schedule this year and then, basically said we'll take the 10 seed to, to districts uh right. number seven number seven shoshone beats them 69 19 really good game in the other play-in eight and nine hansen and castleford hansen has a six point lead with about a minute 20 to go and castleford starts chipping away they cut it down to two uh they have the ball with 13 seconds to play uh, they try to run a play at the high post for Oakley Skinner. Castleford does. Um, the ball gets deflected. It's bobbled. It's picked up by a freshman, Emma Mitten. She launches a shot as time expires. A little bit offline. So a very young Castleford team nearly scored a huge upset over Hanson. But Hanson holds on. 46-44. So now Hanson and Shoshone are in the double elimination portion of the bracket. 
And then we had a really good opening round of, of action. So, so Hanson gets that win and then they got to turn around the next night and play again, Tuesday night, the number eight seed, they went to number one Murtaugh and I thought pushed the red devils pretty well. I mean, Murtaugh won 54 to 40. It was kind of a, a, a workman like win there for the red devils. We also had number two Oakley defeat number seven Shoshone by 10, 44, 34. Again, I thought Shoshone really pushed Oakley. The one blowout was number three wrapped river over number six, Glenn's Ferry, 61, 34. And then we had a really exciting game in the four five matchup. Carry the five seed Valley, the four seed carry was down double digits at the end of the third quarter. They outscore Valley like 12 to two in the fourth quarter, but they come up two points short. Andy Simpson, um, made a shot with like 20 seconds to go to bring Carrie within two. It was an and one. She went to the free throw line, couldn't hit the foul shot. Uh, they foul Valley. They go down to the other end of the floor and Malone is at the line for Valley. She misses both free throws. Carrie gets the rebound. They put up a shot as time expires, or they try to put up a shot as time expires, but there wasn't enough time left. So anyways, Valley gets a very hard fought two point win over carry 40 to 38. All of this is to say, it doesn't really seem to matter what the number is next to your name. All of the games have been really fun and competitive for the most part. Oh, th this is my favorite conference, probably in the state of Idaho. Just, and I say this all the time. I mean, you have got some teams in here that just beat each other up all the time. doesn't matter what sport it is. And they are some of the best teams in the state. In fact, in the latest coaches poll, three of these four teams are ranked in the top five. You know, I mean, that is how good this conference is. I mean, you've got Raft River coming in statewide at number three, Murtaugh four, Oakley five. You know, and th this conference has two and a half berths. So one of those teams is going to go to a play-in game. You know, and everything right now has gone chalk. The thing that I'm interested in is that – Oakley versus Raft River. Now, how many times we say that on a podcast, Oakley versus Raft River. But, you know, here is a, a, a Raft River team that just can't solve Oakley this year. You know, is the third time going to be the charm? They've already lost to him uh, twice, you know, 40-36 um, to 36 and 53-41. You know, and so is this going to be the time that Raft River solves Oakley? I don't know. We'll see. And uh, as far as Murtaugh goes, uh, you know, Todd Jensen up there doing a fantastic job, 16 and three, uh, you know, and he's he's already beaten Valley handily once, 72 to 50. And, you know, and I, I don't suspect that they're going to, you know, falter here. But, you know, I think, right, I think it's Murtaugh. I think, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But that's going to be that's going to be huge. And guess what? If Murtaugh ends up winning again, guess who might play each other again? Uh, Raft River and Oakley. So, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Never know what to think about those two. These three teams all went seven and one in league play in the regular season. They all beat each other. Raft River beat Murtaugh. Murtaugh beat Oakley. Oakley beat Raft River. And then Oakley also beat Raft River in a non-conference game early in the season also. So it is as close as it can get. I went with my gut on my bracketology projections. I said Oakley as the district champion. I think they get past Raft River. I think they get past Murtaugh in the championship. And then I had right. Raft, I had Raft River taking second because they've beaten Murtaugh once this year. 
And I've got the Red Devils, you know, hitting the road for that play-in game. Honestly, I don't think it's going to matter. Um, yeah. I think I think Murtaugh gets that third spot to state pretty easily. They're going to play either Wallace or Lakeside from the north. Uh, I, I think all three teams get to state, and really yep. it's semantics on, on how they finish. Some teams will just have to sweat it out a little longer than others. In the chat here, Bishop Kelly Football wants to know, where is the 1A state championship game at? Well, all the championships, of course, are inside the Ford Idaho Center in Nampa, but mm -hmm. the 1A state tournament this year is going to be, uh, the 1A D1 state tournament is going to be at Columbia High School. And then if I really wanted to be a wise guy, I'd say your 1A state championship game is right here, Oakley and Raft River. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did, they did play for the championship last year, Scott, in Raft River after splitting with Oakley, beat the Hornets when it counted most in the 1A D1 championship game. Well, and that's the thing, you know, it, you just got to get there, you know, and once you get there, then everything else just sort of takes care of itself. But, you know, the mind games that get played when a team plays each other so many times is that, you know, well, and the thing is, you just said it, you know, Murtaugh lost to Raft River, you know, and what's the mindset there? We're the number one seed, yet we might not, win our conference because we have a mental block with Raft River or whatever it is. Same thing could be said with Oakley, you know, so I, you just got to, you can't get too high and you can't get too low because these are three of the best teams in the state. You're going to beat each other up in the conference. You're going to beat each other in the district tournament and you just have to survive and then get to state and then make it happen. Uh, it, it's a weird mindset and anybody coaching wise understands what I'm saying, you know, but this is what they go through every year and just about every sport. Yeah. Oakley and Raft River, same old, same old. Uh, these semifinals are tonight, Thursday, February 1st yeah. um, at each of the high seeds, Murtaugh and Oakley. And then from there, they'll move to the college of Southern Idaho. Uh, it looks like they're going to move to Canyon Ridge for some games. And then finally the most important game at Jerome, that third place game where the winner will clinch a spot at state. Yeah, this was a, this is a tournament that we normally host. And so that game that's at Canyon Ridge was supposed to be at Jerome, but our girls are hosting twin falls tomorrow. And so we had to bump it over to Canyon Ridge. And so, you know, the one A D one guys and girls are just kind of at everybody's mercy at the moment. Where are we going to play? We don't know. Yeah. In the playground, parking lot, metal nets. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how this shakes out. But again, I like all three Murtaugh, Oakley, Raft River to ultimately get to state. And then yeah. we'll see, you know, could all three get to the semis and and then two would have to play. I mean, it's going to be very yeah. interesting to see how that bracket gets seated. No, I, I, I predict right now they will. I bet we're going to, we will have a sawtooth conference semifinal without a doubt. Okay. You heard uh, it here. We'll mark it down. Uh, okay. Our which, final which means, which means, that a top two team is going to be playing for a title. Yes. And that has been, you know, in the last couple of, you know, the bit, the big breakthrough win last year was, um, Oakley knocking out Lapway, um, at yeah. state Lapway yeah. was the big, bad team that came in. Oakley put the clamps on him defensively. Lapway had not seen a team defend at that level all year. And so that was really the big breakthrough last year that got Oakley to the championship game where they fell just shy here's jesse in the chat let's go murtaugh yes we talked about no. scott this is another development here this has been for the last couple of years a two-bid league 
And so Murtaugh yeah. has been good enough to get to state the last couple of years, and they just have been snake bitten at districts. Now that there's a little parachute here, two and a half bids, I mean, this is a game changer. We talk about getting the best teams to state. This is where the 1AD 180s and coaches sat down and, and configured this bracket, recognizing that, hey, District 4 is really good. Yeah, you know, and and it's a great segue into the 1AD2s that we're going to talk about. But you want the best teams at state, and and you're right, absolutely right. It's, you know, sometimes harder to get there than it is to actually play in the tournament. Sometimes your district tournament is harder than a state tournament. And I think that could be said about this particular conference. And so I'm really glad to see that half earth. And, and, and I'm with you. I think all three of them are going. Yep. All right. Well, at the other end of the pendulum, 1AD2, uh, this is the Sawtooth Conference. Scott, three-team affair. The first game was Tuesday night. Number two, Richfield beats number three, Hagerman, 52-25. to And now tonight, Thursday, February 1st at Gooding. It is number two Dietrich, or excuse me, number one Dietrich, number two Richfield. They split in the regular season. This is game three of, of what's going to be potentially a five-game series. We'll see. Uh, the winner of this, kind of like Filer, will advance to the district championship game, and then the onus is on whoever loses. They got to come back and beat them twice. That's a tall order. Yeah, this, one, this game is huge uh, tonight because exactly that. I mean, these two are so... Uh, evenly matched. I mean, I think I would give a slight advantage to Dietrich, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if anything happened here. But this game becomes so important um, because it's so hard to to recover mentally, knowing that you've got such a mountain to climb against somebody that just puts you in the loser's bracket and there's only one bid to state out of here, which is sad um, because Richfield and Dietrich are two of the best teams in the state, 1AD2, and either one of them could go on and, and win a title, but one of them staying home. Yeah, we broke it down on the tail of the tape last week. Dietrich 16 and three, Richfield is 14 and four. Um, I officially, on my bracketology, I, I went with Richfield. Call it a gut feeling that just the way they defend and can get after you now Dietrich can defend too, but I just, I don't know, mm -hmm. something, something in my gut said Richfield. I, I mean, I would it's a coin flip essentially. Can, can yeah. we get Wood River and Canyon Ridge out here for this coin flip, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> I think we could probably figure something out, you know, and you look at this and the coaches, um, you know, poll, I mean, you've got Dietrich tied for the number one spot in the latest coaches poll. And, uh, and then there's Richfield sitting at three, you know, uh, Kendrick, the overall number one, but not unanimous. And, um, Dietrich and Richfield, I mean, two of the best, and gosh, I just feel bad. It's it's insane this year. 1AD2 statewide, the top four teams come from two districts. It really is. It's it's Dietrich and Richfield down here in District 4, and it's Kendrick and Deary up north in District 2. And it's crazy. The the four best teams are from two districts this year. Um, it's 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 gonna be very interesting. This game is tonight in getting we'll see what transpires from there but that is what's going on in girls hoops scott uh yep. by this time next week a lot of the bids will have been wrapped up and we can start talking about hey this team made it to state and here's how we think they might fare so yep yep great time nothing like state tournament time yep for sure all right before we uh, get to some boys basketball highlights 
We want to let you know that the Magic Valley PrepCast is presented by No Vape Idaho. Be smart, don't start. Scott, did you know that big, big tobacco, big vape, they're pumping millions and millions and millions of dollars into social media companies and apps for targeted marketing specifically to teenagers. It's disgusting. It is disgusting. And, and I've always said and believed, and you'll hear it in every Scott's thoughts I do, that social media is a devil. Um, it, it just, it's destroying our kids because we're, we're making them privy to every bad thing that's out there. This is no different. Um, kids operate these days with this kind of no consequence. Uh, I can't, they're impervious to anything. They just don't get it. And as long as they're just getting bombarded with these messages, man, it's, it's not going to stop. I am shocked that they're, you know, Congress hasn't gotten together to put the clamp down on this stuff on social yeah. media. I mean, there's anyways, I, so no vape Idaho is taking the fight to social media and they're saying, Hey, let's yes. get, our, let's get our message out and, and talk about these things because if the big vape companies are going to be able to influence and, and buy their way into advertising towards teenagers and kids you know let's let's do the same for a good cause and that's why the people yeah. at Novape Idaho are so important so uh, absolutely and I'm glad this this movement is happening hope it gains traction for sure if you want more tips or ways to combat vaping you can go to uh type in no vape idaho that's no with a k k-n-o-w no vape idaho in your favorite web browser and go from there all right scott a couple of boys basketball highlights to hit on um let's start with uh let's let's start with the gooding senators this is the one that occurred more recently it actually went down this week now gooding this year you know, it's kind of a, a transition year, right? They're five and 13 overall. They're, right. they're zero and four so far in the district learning how to win for the first time. You know, Ryan Pope, who's been a great coach at several places over the years is, is coaching the boys this year. And it's those small wins sometimes that can set the foundation for a program. Well, they played Wendell on Tuesday night and pulled out a 70 to 68 victory, but this was no run of the mill two-point win for the Gooding Senators. No, no, this was, but the thing for, for Gooding is this was one they needed. They, they needed to win a game. They needed to taste victory. They needed to have all of their hard work and efforts not fall short again, because I mean, this is a, a well-coached team. They're great kids. They just needed to get over that hump just one time. And this, this was huge. It snapped a seven-game losing streak for Gooding. Mm -hmm. And the game-winning shot came courtesy of the coach's son, Bridger Pope. Here's what it looked like from up above. This is the game-winning shot, and it was a difficult shot, too, as yeah. time expired. Check this out. So that was, uh, I mean, it, it wasn't even the first option on the play. You saw Gooding out of bounds mm -hmm. there. There was about eight seconds left. They had drawn up a play, and that option wasn't there. 
So what does Bridger Pope do? You got to improvise. Time's winding down. You got to make a beeline to that basket. There's a guy in his face. He's kind of throwing that up blind almost. It goes in. He falls down. Time expires. Gooding gets the win. What an incredible moment for the freshman, Bridger Pope. Yeah, no kidding. He finished with 21 points and seven boards that game. And, uh, I mean, that that kind of capped off a Gooding comeback because they were down 12 at the half and uh, fought all the way back to hit the – the game winner, and uh, man, what what an exciting moment for for Bridger and a, and a, and a much needed moment for Gooding basketball. We've got another view of the action here. This is what we like to call student cam. This was from <laughs> this was from the student section. Scott, here's what it looked like. So you can you can hear that kid. Uh, I don't know who I don't know who that was. It was a student, but you can hear that's game, that's game. That's yeah. That's such an uplifting moment for the student body too, not just the team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there there really isn't anything like you know a high school gymnasium that's just electric. Um, I mean, we get that at the state tournament in those semifinal games at those high schools. I mean, there's really nothing like it. Anytime you get something like that, man, that is. It's exciting for everybody there. Yep. So we, I mean, our first video highlight we showed this year, Scott, on the Magic Valley PrepCast was also from Gooding. If you'll remember, it was the Gooding girls at the very start of the year. Fallon Millican got that uh, tip shot. They they won the game as time expired. She rebounded a miss and put it up and in, and we got the highlight from Gooding. And now That's we're right. kind of we're kind of bookending it with another Gooding highlight, you know. That's right. Forgot, yeah, I forgot about that. I love these highlights. I mean, people are starting to get on board with these and and sending them to me and just like, hey, got this. Hey, what do you think? I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> let's go. Let's do it for sure. Uh, along those lines, Scott, let's go to the 1AD2 level where Hagerman finds themselves sitting at eight and six overall. They're one and three in Sawtooth Conference action. Um, this is a league I think that is, I mean, obviously Camas County is the favorite, but that race for second between Dietrich and Hagerman and Richfield, pretty tight and competitive. Hagerman uh, made the trip to Twin Falls last Friday to play Twin Falls Christian Academy, the Warriors. Now, Scott, before we get to these highlights, uh, Twin Falls Christian Academy, they're not an IHSAA school. They play in kind of a private league in Idaho right. that's for for Christian schools and things like that. But this has been a school that's been in twin for, for some time. And I, I see them on the schedule all the time playing Idaho opponents. Yeah. Twin Falls Christian Academy. Um, that's where my oldest daughter went. <laughs> there you and, go. Uh, yeah. And so I'm, I'm very familiar with, with that place and, and uh, the, the teams that they play. Uh, Cause I remember, I mean, she played basketball and volleyball and I remember traveling to places that I didn't even know were places that uh, there was had a, like a small village. And we're like, man, you got a team. You, you got people. Where am I? You know, and th- that happened <laughs> a lot. And so it was a lot of fun just to see a different aspect of it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I kind of have a little soft spot for TFCA. Yeah, for sure. Uh, their gym is, is what I would call intimate. It's uh, you know, 
the, the fans are pretty close to the action. Uh, it's your typical small gym. So Hagerman goes to TFCA, Twin Falls Christian Academy, and the Pirates walk out with uh, a nice, tidy 74 to 51 win. Along the way, though, Kai Kendall, a guy we talked about a lot mm-hmm. during football season when Hagerman got all the way to the state semifinals in football. Uh, turn, turns out he can hoop as well. He sets a new school record, Scott, eight three-pointers in one game, eight threes in that win over T- TFCA. Yeah, uh, beating the old uh, record of seven, of course, uh, held by uh, uh, Tanner Easterbrook. And uh, they, they didn't know at the time that he broke it. They, they found out afterwards. So it wasn't like something people were watching and all of a sudden, oh, he needs one more, one more. So because a lot of times you, you see, you know, teams and players go for those kinds of records, right? Knowing that that's what's going to happen. This was not the case. They found out afterwards. And, you know, yeah, we talk about his football, you know, leadership. And, you know, I mean, he was he tied the record for interceptions this season. He had seven interceptions this season for the football team. So, I mean, now he has a basketball record to go along with it. How cool is that? And then when you watch some of the video, I mean, it's not like they're rattling home. It's not like he's getting a bounce here and there. It's He's just pulling up and he's just draining them left and right. So good for him. Pretty cool. Yeah, we've got a highlight. We've got three of the eight that he made. So just under, just under half of what he made for the game, Scott. And I have no idea, you know, chronologically where in the game these came, but stylistically, I decided to put them in order in a certain way to tell a story here. So here's the first three. And that's Kendall finding his spot in the corner. You see the defender with a good closeout. Yeah. I I tell you what, I love that because he, he relocated and that's what we teach. You, You enter the ball in, whether it's high post, low post, whatever you get the ball in the paint, you need to relocate. And uh, as soon as that man turned his head, bam, down to the corner he went. Perfect textbook. So that was the first shot, and that's in the half court, and that's him adjusting and finding a spot. Good defense. The second one comes in transition. Again, good closeout here by the defender. <laughs> and I love whoever's filming. You can hear him as soon as it. Yep. <laughs> yep. As as yep. Yeah. And I love that angle too, because it, you know, from a coach's standpoint, you get that angle sometimes and you, you see the shot and you're like, that's it. You know? And you know, and the thing is he shot that thing from like way downtown. And, and the first time I saw that, it reminded me, I, I mean, I was in high school and I was uh, guarding a, a kid from Wood River. His name was Brad Jakes. And uh, this kid could shoot the ball from anywhere. And it was my job to guard him. And I remember we were up there and Ben Allen was my, my coach and I'm guarding him a little bit, even further out than that kid was, uh, was guarding Kai and Jake's just pulled up. He's like five, six. And he just boom, berries went over the top of me from like a hundred feet. It seemed like I turned over and looked at my coach and I went like this and he goes, Go, <laughs> I'm like, okay. He's like, I'm not letting him bring the ball down and hit a jump shot from 30 feet because he will. And that's what Kai did right there. It was pretty cool. Quick detour. What is it about Wood River? They always seem to have one guy that can fill it up. You know, I think about Johnny Radford a couple yeah. of years ago. Yeah. He's now at, at the College of Idaho. And uh, I don't know if you saw this. Cooper Fife just put in 38 for Wood River this week. I think that's a story we'll have to maybe explore next yeah. week on the yeah, podcast. But player there too. So <laughs> yeah, but Kai's, always- got one, 
Guy's got one more, doesn't he? Yes. So you saw the first one was in the offense, into the corner, good defense. Second one came in transition, also good defense on the closeout. The third one is why even bother? And you saw it all in the defender there. The defender's like, I could go for the closeout, but he's just going to make you know, it anyways. What's the point? He's, yeah, he's going to shoot it. It's going to be, you know, and that's the thing too. And that's a smart basketball play because he trailed the guy with the basketball and they knew that. And the guy that was penetrating, travel or not, doesn't matter, kicks it out because they know they're supposed to trail. And I mean, that's just basketball savvy they got going on there. And it was pretty cool. And, you know, the thing is, on that last one, if you watch it again, it, I think I think Kendall may have started to vacate the area before the ball went in the hoop, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play them all in a row exactly. now. <laughs> exactly. He just kind of raising the roof as he goes down the floor. I mean, he knew it was in as soon as he shot it. You could tell. Yes. I'm, g- I'm going to play all three in a row now and then just, just watch as he just rips the soul out of TFCA. Just... From the close, the good closeout the first time, semi good closeout, and then the third one, no closeout whatsoever. So here they are in sequence. Three totally different shots. They yeah. all count the same, but it shows you what a smart yeah. player he is, too. Oh, well, you know, and he, he's having such a great year. I mean, he's he's leading their team right now with almost 22 points a game. Um, I, I I believe he's the, the fourth ranked scorer uh, in the state. And uh, I mean, what a great year he's having. So uh, fun to see that. Glad we got the clips. Um, Katie Knight, thanks for sharing that with us and helping us out there. But uh, that's a lot. That was cool. Congratulations. Yeah, Katie Knight in her first season coaching the Hagerman boys. Last year, Scott, at this time, she was a uh, a basketball referee and also a broadcaster for IdahoSports.com. Yeah, yeah, go figure. Well, she's seen it from all angles. Yeah, she's moving on up in the world. That is for (laughs) sure. So we'll keep an eye on the Hagerman Pirates as we go along. Uh, but now, Scott, it is time for Scott's thoughts. This is how we always wrap up the show. We we give you a topic. We give you a week to kind of craft your thoughts, and then uh, you address the topic. It's always something that uh, strikes me as I'm navigating here in my life. It may be something I saw or something I read or something I noticed, and then we parlay it into a bigger, broader discussion. These are good life lessons, not just for kids but for adults, not just for athletes, but for students and people of all walks of life. These are just little good nuggets of inspiration from you, Scott. And so the topic that we have been working on for a couple of weeks now is how do you say these three simple words? I was wrong. This all stemmed from when Case Why Not from Lapway was chasing the all-time career points scored record. Uh, mm-hmm. Initially, we had one number as the the, the record to beat. It was wrong. We had to make a correction and say, here's the actual number that Case is chasing down. He broke that record, by the way. Um, But, you know, I had to publicly come out and go, I got it wrong. Sorry. I, you know, 
I have to do better. Uh, but so many people are just incapable of saying those three words. I was wrong. So, yeah. So we just take a little philosophical route through all of this and talk about psychology and talk about, you know, bettering your life. And, you know, just like you said, little nuggets that, you know, kind of just kind of cool to listen to, maybe think a little. Um, and, and that's kind of the spin I always take. It's just kind of a broad picture of things and dive into the brain and, and people's behaviors and then why is that important and and our kids you know i mean it always circles back there so you know when you kind of get used to hearing all these things um yeah you're 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 kind of seeing what's rattling around up in that attic brain of mine uh half the time so anyway this one this one no different a lot of fun yep all right so this week scott's thoughts we're tackling the topic of <laughs> i was wrong when i was a kid maybe nine or 10 years old. I remember playing football with my friends in the yard. We were all dressed up in our football jerseys and helmets and really focused on our future NFL combine. And of course I was dressed as an LA Ram, Vince Ferragamo, if I recall. Anyway, I remember going out for a pass and after making an incredible one-handed diving catch, I looked up to see a red pickup driving down the road and eventually slam into the back of a parked car. As we sat and watched the driver get out of the red pickup, we heard him tell the owner that a dog had run out in front of him, which forced him to swerve and hit the car. Well, all of us just looked at each other because we knew this wasn't true. There was no dog, no glaring sun, and no excuse. Yet this man would not own up to what he did, and he's supposed to be an adult. That threw me for a little loop because if kids are supposed to admit when we screw up, why don't adults have to do the same? Well, perhaps this incident helps send me down the road to examining the psychology of human behavior and why we act like we do and how that affects our children. Admitting our mistakes, owning our screw ups, saying we're sorry. Why has this simple part of life become so difficult to execute? Why are we so consumed with being right that it hinders our growth and damages our trust and taints our character? It's an interesting study with many layers that work together to help explain the rationale behind one of the most irrational things that we do. To fully understand my take on the subject, I need to explain a few components to this discussion. The first thing to understand is the heartbeat of why we can't admit fault. Well, when you dissect the core of this problem, we find ourselves staring directly at our own egos. The ego. It's the shield that protects us from the harshities of the world and its imperfections. But the thing is, it's protective, it's controlling, and it's fragile. And when it takes direct fire, it forces us to face the notion that we are not infallible. And for some reason, when the ego becomes their identity for some, admitting mistakes is not even on the menu of possibilities, even against overwhelming evidence. Delicate egos and fragile self-esteem lack the mental resilience required for accountability. Their psychological framework is so frail that admitting fault is truly psychologically damaging, so much so that our defense mechanism, it does something strange to cope. They literally distort reality. 
The weak ego actually changes the facts in the mind so it is no longer wrong. Those guilty of this may think it's a sign of strength, but it's really the complete opposite. It's psychological weakness and borderline sociopathic. Yet so many are guilty of this. Psychologists believe that those unwilling to face their mistakes suffer from a form of cognitive dissonance where they only accept the information they want to hear and deny anything that contradicts their beliefs. Therefore, they're never wrong. To sum it up, the ego is not your amigo. As we pull back another layer to this psychological onion, we can't help but gravitate towards social media. Is it possible that we've crafted a fictional, perfect world through social media and online interactions where the constant portrayal of perfection starts to affect our perception of reality? I believe we have, and our impressionable children have adopted it as truth. As I've mentioned before, when we consistently repeat certain patterns, it begins to shape the picture of what we actually think is real. We have been conditioned to believe that perfection actually exists. We see it in movies. We hear it from our leaders. We even embody this in our social media and our online lives. We are perfect. There's no room for missteps or imperfections. And if they exist, we cover them up. We use filters. We hide what blemishes or errors that might paint us in a negative light. Therefore, making it nearly impossible to confront our own shortcomings. Shattering that glass ceiling of perfection with our mistakes proves to be too detrimental to our delicate egos. Now, weaving these two ideas together is another thread, and it's our genetic makeup. It's the third layer. We are a negative society. It's the way we're wired. We are genetically predisposed to pick out what's wrong with something rather than what's right. We are more likely to complain than compliment. Do you remember the cartoon when you were a kid where someone was struggling with their own conscience and on this shoulder sat an angel telling them how great the world was and how you should act and everything's going to be fine. But over on this shoulder sat the devil and he's telling them all that's wrong with the world and you should act out. Well, whose voice do you think is louder in our heads? Who do we tend to listen to? Not sure? Well, just look around the stands at your ball games, where fans are intently focused on everything that goes wrong and not so much on what goes right. Think about what is screamed at our officials. Is it a compliment? Hey, Mr. Official, I just wanted to say great job on that last call. <laughs> no. They criticize to the point of personal attacks. And the more this conduct continues, the more it serves to strengthen the belief that errors are unwelcome and will inevitab inevitably invite a barrage of personal criticism. And who wants to be yelled at for every mistake they make so we don't admit them? And to further the point of the negative mindset, athletes, I want you to think of a game you played recently, a game where by everyone's standards, you played well. However, you can't enjoy it because all you can think about are the one or two mistakes you made. You know what I mean? It's the negative mindset. We live in a world that judges harshly, 
judges quickly, without facts, without compassion, and without the ability to look in the mirror before passing judgment on others. We also live in a world with a lot of victims. The victim mentality has almost become trendy, where it allows us to give away responsibility and never hold ourselves accountable. It's always the fault of another. I'm only this way because of them, or I didn't have a chance, no opportunity, no time. Well, you know what? I'm tired of hearing it. Sure, there are always circumstances in life that might give an advantage to others, but to keep yourself down and not let yourself be responsible for your own behaviors, your own mistakes, and to believe that life's fruits are not plucked by you, but given to you by someone else only helps sell the idea that you are not in control and thus not responsible for your actions. The lack of accountability for making wrong choices, it's become popular practice. We've seen politicians cling ferociously to their own mistruths without anything resembling a conscience, while the media perpetuates the lie to the point that the truth starts to be altered, and then we don't even know what's happening. And we've even seen it in our own companies, where they invest in something that doesn't deliver, come through on their promises. But instead of rectifying the situation and abandon something that isn't working, the company starts to operate on pride and begins to control the information, double down on their bad decision. And blinded by their own ego, they end up destroying trust and their reputation, all because of a stubborn adherence to failing policies. They couldn't admit they were wrong. They don't value truth, they value power. Ego is about who's right. The truth is about what's right. And as I think more about this topic, I can't help but see a, a value system replaced by faulty principles and erroneous logic. And that's why I find it funny how we've become a society who can't own their own bad decisions, but are dedicated to fixing the mistakes of others and the past. We destroy history. We cancel what isn't politically correct. We erase what doesn't suit a culture who is so sorely misguided so much that they can't see that erasing the mistakes of the past are only going to guarantee their return in the future. But for me, it always comes back to the lessons we instill in our children. Because if we don't do something, this affliction of avoiding responsibility for our mistakes manifests in our kids and is supported by their out-of-touch parents. Coaches and teachers end up tiptoeing around kids who are uncoachable, unteachable, unable to be disciplined, and these kids are told by their parents that they are perfect and can do no wrong, like they've raised a Division I athlete or the next Rhodes Scholar. It's almost an impossible scenario for our coaches and educators to handle. And it's one of the main reasons people abandon the teaching and coaching profession, because we raised a bunch of egomaniacs who are never wrong and are never at fault. So despite the resistance toward admitting we're wrong and saying we're sorry, we have to find a way to somewhat normalize wrongness so our own ego and fallibility doesn't cripple and prevent us from teaching our children that they don't always have to be right. Look, it's natural to get a little defensive or provide excuses for why you were wrong, but deflecting responsibility for our errors 
stands in the way of growth. And our kids need to see that. We need to see that. To admit without excuse, to acknowledge without pointing fingers, and to own up to our blunders, to just stand there and say, I was wrong, does so much for our character and helps us get out of our own way when it means becoming a better person. And according to psychologists, kids who learn from their parents that it's okay and comfortable to admit when you're wrong, well, they grow up more open and honest. But that behavior has to be modeled. And right now, we need to do a better job. The only thing more dangerous than not learning from your mistakes is not being able to recognize them. I know society has trained us to feel ashamed of our gaffes and that if we are perfect, then we can be happy. And it's that fear of not being perfect or screwing something up which stifles us as we get older. Take a child, for example. There's so much that we can learn from the innocence of our children. When children play, when they learn, they have a fearless attitude where their ability to try supersedes their fear of failing. And our kids, they never learn to care about failure until we teach them to be ashamed of getting it wrong. However, as grown-ups, if we can't figure out how to rein in our own egos and humbly set aside our own pride, there's no way we can possibly serve as the role models our children deserve. Admitting when we are wrong, facing our own bad decisions, and owning up to them does not make you any less of a person. It shows courage, honesty, and strength of character. Our students, our athletes, our kids, they deserve the best versions of those who lay the foundation that fosters their growth, and that is us. And it's through these candid admissions that we realize that the only real mistake is the one from which we learn nothing. Embracing the humility to acknowledge when we falter enables us to learn, to evolve. Making mistakes is part of life. Owning those mistakes is part of being human. And the most important job we have is teaching our kids to not just celebrate the success, but celebrate the attempts and to teach our kids that life and people and filters are not perfect. And being real, even if you're wrong, is more important than being flawless. Embrace the beauty of imperfection because that's the raw material of greatness. We need to teach that admitting mistakes doesn't make you weak. It just means you value your relationships more than your ego. And let's teach our kids that mistakes are acceptable, but fear of those mistakes is not. One of the greatest mistakes you can make in life is to be continually fearing that you will make one. Let's let our kids know that mistakes are the growing pains of wisdom. And lastly, finally, for our kids and for everyone else to remember, the moment you accept responsibility for everything in your life is the moment you gain the power to change anything in your life. And those are Scott's thoughts. Excellent as always. The victim mentality especially rings true. And this is probably another Scott's thoughts in the future, but 
it's not even admitting that I was wrong, but it's the what aboutism. Well, what about this guy? Yeah. You know, what did this guy do? You know, so it's yeah. just. Yeah, you can't. You, people don't like blame and they want to share it. So that way it's not so much on them. It takes the attention off of them. So, but it's tough. It takes a real man to admit when they're wrong and to own it. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of real men around anymore. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, we just, we just don't. Yeah. It, it's shocking actually. Um, okay. Great job as always, Scott. For next week, Scott's thoughts. It's another three word phrase that I want you to tackle here. Yeah. Three simple words. I need help. This stems from uh, a nice, so we've got uh, our Idaho Matt chat prep cast, of course, where we talk just wrestling every week, uh, live, 7 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Mountain Time every Tuesday night on the IdahoSports.com YouTube yep. channel, Facebook page, and Twitter account. But one of our contributors there, Al Fontes, also writes outstanding wrestling content for our site, IdahoSports.com. And he recently did a profile with Hoyt Haas, a senior at Lewiston High School. He's going to be continuing his wrestling career at North Idaho College next year. But a story that a lot of people didn't know until this article came out is that when Hoyt was young, he tried to take his own life and was saved by somebody that day. And since then he and his family wanted to share this story of, Hey, it's okay to say I'm struggling. I need help. And they have really embraced that. And because of that, he is such a strong person today and such a great, fierce competitor. But so many people oftentimes can't find those three words. I need help. And they internalize. And unfortunately, those attempts to, to take your own life then go through. So that's what I want you to tackle is those three simple words. I need help. It's a, it's a tough one sometimes to say, but... We all have felt that in our life at some point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this one could get right inside on the feelers. Uh, I mean, it's just amazing how prevalent it is with, you know, depression and anxiety and suicidal thoughts. And, you know, we can try to connect the dots as to why that happens. I know it is a societal thing to a point, but it doesn't change the fact that it's happening. And too many times our, our kids are are left because they think nobody cares. And you look at just some of the things that I just got done saying, we're a negative society where we're going to point out everything is wrong with you. And if that's the case, why would we ask for help? You know? And so all of this stuff that we talk about every week, it, it all does pile on top of each other and it's all intertwined, you know, and this one, this one's deep because it is everywhere no matter age, no matter gender, no matter race, no matter nothing, this is everywhere. And if it saves one life, if it convinces one person out there that's struggling to say those words and, and get that help, help, then it'll be, it'll be worth it. That's why I love magic Valley, especially the J foundation, right? Yeah. That is, that is what they are all about and doing that boot check and checking in. Hey, are you okay? Are you doing okay? But you have to reciprocate too. If you're not doing okay, you have to yeah. be able to communicate that too. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And I think uh, one of our Scott's thoughts on the third one or something like that, we actually brought up the J foundation and some of the work that they do. Um, but, and if you're not familiar with it, check it out. It's an amazing story, an amazing organization that does exactly what you said. It gives the help. 
Yeah. Uh, you can go back and watch any of our previous Scott's thoughts. We've done 13 of them. This was number 14, wow. Scott. Uh, wow. hard, hard to believe, right? <laughs> I think I had enough to say to cover <laughs> four of them, let alone 14. <laughs> yeah. So we'll continue doing them as long as we can come up with topics that are worth exploring, but we have them all on a playlist. All you have to do is go to the IdahoSports.com YouTube channel, click playlists, and then click Scott's thoughts. And they're all right there for yeah. you. So okay. check it out. Very cool. All right, Scott, as always, thank you for uh, all the hard work and research you do to make the Magic Valley Prep Cast uh, such a great show and spotlight for what our Magic Valley athletes are doing. Um, it's it's really a labor of love sometimes, for sure. Oh, it, it is. I love every second of it. And, uh, you know, when sometimes you get those stories that just come to you, and we love it when that happens. So if you're out there and you've got something that you want to share with us, a video clip, a game winner, eighth grade third place game on the B side of seventh grade basket, what, whatever, you know, I mean, this is the magic Valley. We're all in it together. So let's, uh, let's, let's highlight those things that need to be recognized. For sure. All right. Well, enjoy the competitions this weekend, everybody uh, travel safely if you're headed somewhere and we'll see you back here next week for Scott Burton. I'm Brandon Bainey. Thanks for tuning into the magic Valley prep cast on IdahoSports.com.